You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Pennsylvania Woodsman, powered by Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. This show is driven to provide relatable hunting and outdoor content in the Keystone State and surrounding Northeast. On this show, you'll hear an array of perspectives from biologists and industry professionals to average Joes with a lifetime of knowledge. All centered around values aiming to be better outdoorsmen and women both in the field as well as home and daily life. No clicks, no self-interest, just the light in the pursuit of creation. And now, your host, the man who's too good to stop for a roadkill deer to check it out, Mitchell Shirk. Hey there, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to another. Thanks for tuning in to this dog and pony show fly-by-night operation. Man, sometimes that's what it feels like. feels like we're going constantly and just trying to squeak enough time in to get a podcast in for this time of year. If you're still joining us this time of year, you're still listening, then uh, my hat's off to you because we see it every year where, and it goes, and it's what you'd expect this time of year, right? You'd see uh, hype up and, and peak throughout hunting season, throughout the fall, and as things uh, as things peter out through deer season and seasons are coming to a close and you kind of see the interest level of a lot of people kind of kind of tune off but there's still some of you guys out there listening and tuning in and i greatly appreciate it i really do um i feel like a broken record here but i just blinked my eyes a couple times you know here we are this is the last episode that we're doing in the month of january 2024 uh four episodes for 2024 in the books with this one it's crazy 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 can't even believe it actually it might be five i can't even keep track anymore and uh, i'll give you a sneak peek of what it's like in my daily life so we uh went had bedtime this is uh sunday night bedtime into monday midnight up with the one-year-old walks to our room stands there Eh, eh, crying, very annoying, like, couldn't find his nookie, of course, the the pinky, the pacifier, whatever the heck you want to call it, could not find it, so 
I put him in bed, and of course it's laying right there next to where his head should be. And plop that in his mouth, he's good to go. Go back, lay down. And another hour goes by, and I hear the other one screaming, and the older one's up. And he's crying that he has an earache, and his ear bugs him. So, go to the bathroom, get some medicine, get some ear drops, do all the dad things you gotta do. Right when you go to put him down, I want to lay in mom and dad's bed. No, you are not laying in mom and dad's bed because I don't sleep and neither does mom. And let's face it, you are big enough. You can stay in your own bed. And uh, it's the constant, constant go. Then we go throughout a work day, right? You know, kids go to my mom's house on a Monday, go through a whole day work, come home, and it's gas pedal down all night long. Dad, let's play this. Dad, let's play that. Dad, let's play this. Dad, let's play that. And I kid you not, I'm like afraid there is a flood coming soon. And these were my signs because all night long, every time I turned my head, something was getting spilled. A cup of water, a juice box, a cup of water being dumped out of the bathtub, everything. It was all night long. So... It's, it's, it's like my hair is probably starting to turn gray. So to combat that, I'm just going to continue to shave it all off because I don't like having a full head of hair anyway. But, man, it's just constant go, go, go. And, like, it's it's been happening to me lately where I, I usually can lay in bed at night and I barely have my head hit the pillow and I'm out out cold, sleep through the night. And here lately, it's not been the way at all. I've been laying my head on the pillow and I've been thinking about all kinds of stuff about the work I got to get done, the people I got to meet with, my deadlines. This is a time of year of a lot of busy planning work-wise. And uh, it's just, it's all coming ahead with so many moving parts. And it's like, man, I can't find room for breathing. And every single weekend there's something and we're just going, 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 going. So I'm really hoping as we get closer into spring that, you know, I start to see the days getting longer and realize like I f- and feel like I have more time because the stuff I'd like to do doesn't happen because there's not enough daylight hours for me right now. Um, but I got some fun stuff coming up here. Looking forward to going to the Great American Outdoor Show. I'm looking forward to uh, I'm following up with somebody who I I visited their property in the fall and you know walked their property and we're we're going to come up with a game plan in how to convert an ag field into wildlife habitat and talk about some strategies for food plots and planting. I got another call to potentially go and walk another property. I love doing that. It's just hard for me to find the time. And I find when I've got a million things going on, um, it's really hard to get in that frame of mind and fully take on that that challenge. Even though I love to and I, I will figure out how to do it, it's just it's really hard to get into that. But that that's the stuff I love. I love being able to work the planning phase prepare food plots that's coming up for me i've got some things i'd like to do on some of the places i hunt and that's what's keeping me going um and my kids they really are keeping me going as much as a headache as they are man i'm I'm trying to enjoy this and ride this out as much as i can but uh yeah speaking of the great american outdoor show this week our guest is no stranger to the great american outdoor show um that's because she 
is somebody who more or less runs the show uh, with a, a, a help from her team. She uh, she has a lot to do with setting up the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg every single year. Um, I, I got to speak with Brandy Adam. Now, for those of you who have listened for a long time, you might have listened to the episode that I did with her husband, Dustin, a uh, good friend of mine. And uh, I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert. So, so Dustin joins in in the conversation with Brandy and I. And uh, we, we kind of did our episodes backwards. But you're going to hear from Dustin next week. And we're going to talk about some some things that have happened in the past few hunting seasons and some learning experiences. But this week we're talking with his better half, and that's Brandy. And uh, Brandy has a really cool story. We, we talk about her introduction into hunting. She didn't come from a hunting family. And that spurs a journey of how she's moved all over the place and had different experiences hunting uh, that, of course, led to you know, her meeting Dustin. And now the new journey that has begun with family and farm and bow hunting and all these different roller coasters of emotions, not to mention her interest in shooting sports and actually becoming a uh, she's in the process of becoming a a shooting instructor with for handguns, and Dustin is as well. Um, and we're we're going to talk a lot about in the beginning about the Great American Outdoor Show, what that looks like for her, a little bit about the show, and uh, a really well rounded conversation that encompasses uh, this time of year, and. Really, it, it gives us a, a woman's perspective on the outdoors. I mean, she's as hard of a hunter as most guys. She she put in more stand time this year than a lot of guys I know. And she she loves it, passionate about it. And for me, for me personally, I think it was really nice to hear her perspective on things because um, I feel like macho men guys always have this standard way of viewing things and perceiving things and bringing ego into that and it was a breath of fresh air to hear brandy's point of view from hunting and her interest in the sport and keeping things going keeping things alive with youth and everything else so this is a great conversation i really hope you guys you know stay along for the ride and listen to this one and hope to see you guys at great american outdoor show um no i'm not going to be there with a booth um (laughs) maybe one day if this uh if this gets a little bit bigger maybe i'd love to do that and have a place where you guys can stop and meet me but I'm planning on going February 10th. Uh, I think that's the second Saturday of the last weekend, walking around and, uh, you know, just catching up with people and checking some stuff out. I'm, I'm anxious to check some gear out. So I'm really, uh, last year you guys talk, probably heard me, I, I did a little bit of saddle hunting this year, and I'm thinking about, uh, you know, what can I do to change my mobile hunting game if that's something I'm going to continue to do. So I'm going to check out what they've uh, got to offer at the show this year, and hopefully that'll uh, spur some conversations with new people. So before we get to this episode with Brandy, let's shout out to sponsors, and that's Radix Hunting. Guys, The it's a one-stop shop for a lot of hunting gear from cameras which they're well known for gen 600s and m core cell cameras uh to the stick and pick camera accessories and i I talk about them a lot because that's what i use the most and that's what radix is really well known for but they got a lot of other good products hunting blinds tree stands and their feeders 
Guys, their tree stands that I used this year were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, great price point, but solid. Solid hang-on tree stands, solid sticks. I didn't have to worry about climbing up and clanging metal together and things being loose and making noise. I had stands that were close to bedding areas that I climbed up in and uh, did not make a sound. It was great and had deer, you know, come you know, right out of the bedding area to me, no problems. And uh, that all comes from quality equipment. And I personally feel that I've got quality equipment with all the stuff I've got through Radix Hunting. So check out RadixHunting.com to stock up for everything you need for 2024. Let's get to this episode with Brandy. <laughs> so <laughs> what, a, what a time this has been getting this set up, but um, I'm thankful to be here. Thankful we're finally up and recording here. Joining me on this week's show, I've got a repeat guest and a new guest, um, but emphasis on the new guest, Brandy Adam. Thank you for coming on the show and chatting with us. How are you? Yes, absolutely. And again, Mitch, I just thank you first and foremost. Um, again, I'm just really stoked to be representing the women demographic out there, and um, I really want to do that in a positive light. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm hanging in there. The The show is coming up here soon, which is the Great American Outdoor Show. I'm in Harrisburg, PA at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex, and that is basically rocking my world right now. So I'm hanging in there. <laughs> Good deal. And uh, your husband, that was on the show once before, and I'm going to leave a little spoiler alert. We, we did this backwards. Dustin and I recorded a podcast, but we decided to hold off and that we're going to hear from Dustin next week. But Dustin, you're joining us on this episode too. Thanks again for uh, setting us all up, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to hop on here and, um, yeah, I'll offer some two cents here and there, but you know, this, this one I think is more about brands. So we're going to let her run the show. So Brandy, you were talking about the great American outdoor show and you know, while a lot of people that are listening to this probably are going to go to that show and know about that show, um, you have a little bit of a, a special connection to that show. So please elaborate on us what that is. Yes, of course. So, um, gosh, it's like, where do I even begin? The show is just so massive in itself. And I guess to preface this a little bit, um, the show is just absolutely bananas with, with all the events and all the activities going on in general. Um, it's just really hard to cover, but I'm definitely going to try. Uh, so basically, in a nutshell, I run sales for the NRA within the shows and exhibits division, along with my colleague, Scott Buck, uh, for the various shows that the NRA does, which is obviously the Great American Outdoor Show. And then we also have a show in Texas this year, which is our annual meetings and exhibits show. But I handle all the sales. So anything coming through sponsorships, ad-wise, it, it basically comes through us. And the Great American Outdoor Show, of course, like I said, is the biggest show. It is located at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg, PA, for those that are not familiar. And that will be this year, February 3rd through the 11th. Um, and just again, to give you a little bit of background, I'm not sure everyone is familiar, but the show, the, the Farm Show Complex in itself is just over 650,000 square feet. So like I said, it's completely bonkers how big this show actually is. And just to give you a little bit of background on the show, the the 
We took the NRA took the show over in 2014. It was previously the Eastern Sports and Outdoor Show. And geez, I think that dated back all the way to the 1950s. Don't quote me on that, but they had the show for decades. So it's definitely been around for a very long time. So, of course, when we took it over, there was definitely some rebranding and restructuring that took place. But we can officially say that the show is the largest outdoor show, period. Um, and that's, that's so definitely di- the largest to the open to the public. That's it anyway. Yes, yes, true. So it's it's very, and I'm glad you said that because it is a consumer-based show. Um, so it is open, and we actually bring we bring about 200,000 attendees through the show every year. So it's just huge again. And as far as exhibitors, we have over a thousand exhibitors at this show. So like I said, the numbers are pretty insane. Though to cram that many people in that building, if you've never been there, is actually just a sight to see in itself. It's pretty eye-opening when you see that many people in the complex. And every day the show is jam-packed. I mean, it, it celebrates and showcases just everything you could possibly think of when it comes to the outdoor lifestyle, hunting, fishing, shooting, archery, boating. It just goes on and on. And to coordinate that with our exhibit halls, we categorize all that into our hall. So we have nine different halls as well. We have a shooting sports hall. We have an archery hall. We have a fishing hall. Um, we have an outdoor lifestyle hall. We have two hunting product halls. We have a west and an east. And we have our boat hall and, of course, our outfitter hall. And our outfitter hall, too, is just massive because we have we, we have over 400 hunting and fishing outfitters and guides. That's 400. And they come from all across the globe. I mean, we're talking Canada, Africa. I actually was just speaking with an outfitter a couple weeks ago. That's all the way from Greenland. And I'm just super excited to get to meet them at the show and talk to them because these outfitters are, are seriously just the coolest people you'll ever meet. They're so down to earth. And they love our show. They love coming out. It is a very long show. It is pretty long for most shows around, but they love it. And I love it. That's probably honestly my favorite part of the show is just getting to to talk to these outfitters from various parts across the globe and what species they offer and what the hunting is like there. Um, so that's really, really cool too. But um, just a little bit more too. We have a large and a small arena. We have tons of events going on throughout the nine days of the show. We have a dock dogs competition. I think that's the third through the seventh. And then after that, we tear all that down. We also have a concert on that Saturday. Um, of course, I'm sure some of the, the PA local people are going to know. We have Warren Ziders that we announced, and he, of course, is a PA. He's from PA, so that's going to be huge. I'm pretty sure it's already sold out. Um, we have our, we also have a 3D bow hunter and spot challenge there. So if you shoot and you want to come out, you can just shoot for fun or you can compete. Um, we also have a lot of, of events and activities for the kids. We have a kids casting contest competition. Um, we have a lumberjack competition, which is actually new for this year. We have our NRA banquet. And then last but not least, we uh, just announced that Trump will also be there speaking at the Isla Leadership Forum. So like I said, last but not least, um, that's kind of a big one there. So I'm sure we're going to have a jam-packed house with that one, and it's 
uh, coming from, you know, the show management side and just that in itself, dealing with, with everything that goes into that, you know, the secret service, so on and so forth. It, it just gets a little crazy, but, um, some of the, uh, some of the other smaller stuff, just cause I want to plug this a little bit really quick. New also to the show, we have our airsoft range by, presented by Jackal Tactical. They're local to PA as well. I think they're out in Lebanon. That's going to be so cool for anyone that's interested in airsoft shooting. They have these really neat, modern digital shooting experiences. So that's going to be so cool. Um, we have another event for the kids. It's our little, uh, not little, um, by any means. It's our Eddie Eagle Kids Zone where the kids can hang out. We have a rock climbing um, area. So it's just so neat. And like the show is so massive. To try and do it all in one day, it, you really can't. And I think most people that come to the show, of course, they like walking through the exhibit floor. But a lot of them don't know about the various events going on. And not only that, but we also offer so many seminar and educational content on the backside. So all of that's posted online. The website is thegreatamericanoutdoorshow.org. Um, the seminar schedule's on there. But, I mean, we have professional hunters speaking, outdoor experts, uh, speaking everything from hunting, trapping, fishing, game calling. Um, it's so it's so neat, that side of it, too. Usually when you come to a show, you just want to, you know, buy, buy stuff, but this show is, is so complex that I really just wanted to touch on, on all of that. So if you're interested in coming out, please do so. You can get your tickets online or you can get them at the door. Um, and we just definitely look forward to having you. Yeah. Talk about a lot of moving parts. I can understand why your stress levels, maybe your blood pressure would go <laughs> a little bit high, but I had a question yeah. when you're talking about going through the show. So if, uh, you know, if anybody follows, outdoor media content right you, you know one of the big shows a lot of people talk about that's um not to the consumer it's it's industry would be ata and i've heard a lot of people talk about the archery trades show and it how much it's changed over time and you know certain shows have changed and it's it's not what it used to be and stuff and everything you're talking about from the great american outdoor show talks about um and, and paints a picture of how this is just really continued to just be on the upscale for for a long time like tell me about the growth that's happened i know this has been uh 2014 is kind of when the the, the transition happened i'll never forget i was in college we had our tickets we were ready to go and announced that it was not going to happen we were like it was like the world was ending you know we were uh. looking forward to that you know it was a a huge tradition and then you know nra steps in and, and comes up so talk a little bit about the transition and the growth to where it's at in 2024 yeah yeah absolutely so um of course i wasn't around in 2014 but um when i say a lot of restructuring and rebranding happened like i absolutely mean it so um i i don't want to get down the rabbit hole too much as far as the organization that had it before but it was um to put this lightly it was it was a little bit um messy as far as just how everything was categorized when the nra stepped in we, we really um clean things up if you will we definitely have like i said we have the nine different halls so everything is categorized in that hall so for example if you're if you're walking through the outfitter hall you're going to see nothing but outfitters 
from across the globe. If you're walking through archery, I mean, that's all of your bow manufacturers, all of your archery accessory companies, you know, your tree stands, some blinds in there, so on and so forth. If you're walking through our shooting sports hall, that's going to be all of the main manufacturers. You're going to see Sig, Bruger, uh, so on and so forth. And that, you know, it's really just cleaned up so much. So it's really efficient now for our attendees. Um, whatever they're interested in, whatever they're looking for, they can go straight to that hall and just see the best of, you know, all of the companies out there offering the the greatest and latest products. Yeah. So, I, and you're being quite tactful and I appreciate that. What I remember about 2014 when that was happened was it had a lot to do with political nonsense and things to do with, um, you know, repeating firearms and had a lot to do with some some political views in that in addition to the fact that the organization that had it i don't believe was uh, outdoor and and hunting oriented so um i will you know that's what i remember and i'm i'm, I'm trying to be tactful as well but i mean yeah. I, I think i think now when you look at the show and the organization i mean hats off to you you do a ton of work you and the entire team you, you said the team's kind of small can you share a little bit about the volume that you are trying to encompass in that 650,000 square feet and what your team is like and what that looks like I can shed a, a little, a little bit of info, um, but given the nature of the organization and details I can release, I have to be a little bit reserved. Sure. But, um, we, so I said, we are a small team, but we, we really just focus on, on the value that we can bring to our attendees. So, um, like I said, we, we definitely cleaned up a lot of, um, you know, I would say companies that aren't really a fit and that's really our, our main focus. You know, if we're, if we're telling you we have a shooting sports hall, well, that's going to be, that's going to be the major manufacturers and that's going to be our firearm accessories. We want you to go in that hall and not see anything but that. We, so we're really focusing on companies that are going to drive value for our attendee and, and really that's that's where our mindset is and as far as growing and not only that a lot of our seminar content and the the people that we're getting on board for these seminars and educational content is just i mean these are professionals these are people that are gonna you can sit down and listen to and learn so much from there's so there's so much educational content there um so i would say in a whole bringing it around full circle it's really just we're really just focused on the value that we can bring to our attendees and constantly growing. We're constantly trying to switch it up um, and just, you know, keep it, just keep it fresh. Cause like I said, the show, well, the previous show, they were around for decades and decades. So it really is this, you know, if you grew up in Pennsylvania and around the area, most likely you've been to this show before. You've, you've, you know, something you look forward to during the winter. There's not much to do. So you know, most people go out and they enjoy the show for at least a day or two. So we're, you know, we're always, we're always just trying to improve on that. All right. Now I'm going to put Dustin on the spot here a little bit, but Brandy, the question is for you. So I know from talking to Dustin over the years and getting to know Dustin, that he is very much a gear 
gear-oriented individual in the hunting world. So this show is like kid in a candy store type deal for that. But this is also a very busy and stressful time of the year for you. So I want to know how does how does that work between uh, husband and wife this time of year? Is he supporting <laughs> you the way he needs? I know he is, but I I, I got to bring that to light because this is kind of crazy for you guys. Yeah, it it really, really is. And I'm sure Dustin feels that because especially now that we have our baby girl, because he he learns for about two weeks what it's like to be a mommy <laughs> with uh with no one around to really help. So I do feel for him and the and the mom guilt is very, very real at this time of the year. Um, especially for my son as well, Waylon, um, because he has so much going on with sports and with school. But um, yeah, it is a very stressful time. And for us, I mean, we're the first ones in and we're the last ones out for the show. So I'm actually going to be on site next Tuesday. Um, and I'm probably not going to leave uh, until two weeks after that. So wow. it is, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's not just a week for us. I mean, we're there for two weeks pretty much straight. So it takes a lot out of you. My, my social points by the end of the day are pretty much spent and I just want to, collapse in a bed typically every day but it is a lot i'm sure dustin can can tell you that um dealing with that you know personal experience on my end for sure yeah i I gotta say i I think i turned into a pretty stellar mommy for two weeks just throwing (laughs) that out there um and and if if i were to speak you know to the transformation of the show and i'm not trying to steal the, the fire here or uh be repetitive but like Mitch, I'm sure you can attest. Like when I was younger, I remember going to the show, and and it was, it was kind of an outdoor flea market. That's the kind of the feel you got. And as I you know got into my young adulthood, it became a place where um, I'd see how fast I could spend my tax return money on some archery equipment. And not that you shouldn't go do that nowadays, but the the brands that are there now and the professionalism. You know, it really is the first opportunity for the public to go out and see all the new latest and greatest gear. You know, you have ATA, you have SHOT Show, where the industry insiders get to see this stuff and play with it um, and and check it out. But this is really the first time the public gets to see it. So, you know, during those two weeks, I'm always chomping at the bit to get up there and, and check everything out. It's obviously become a little tougher, and, and we still make it work, but... Um, yeah, it's, uh, you're right. I'm very gear oriented. I will say I'm absolutely guilty on that. (laughs) Brandy, (laughs) I can attest. (laughs) If you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil, you need to check out Vitalize Seed Company. Vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their one, two planting system. The system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area. Find out more about this system and get your seed at VitalizeSeed.com and be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Radix Hunting was founded on premium grade trail cameras and continues striving to produce the best cellular and conventional trail cameras on the market today. The Gen 600 is a second generation camera from the Gen series line. 
With premium video and audio recording capabilities, this product has become well respected as the HD video trail camera. In addition to the Gen Series cameras, their M-Core cellular camera has all the features of a quality cell camera at an affordable price. Along with their cameras, they offer stick and pick trail camera accessories to allow you to set your cameras just right. You can find it all at RadixHunting.com and be sure to follow Radix Hunting on Instagram and Facebook. Want to check out Radix cameras in person? Stop in at Little Mountain Outfitters in Richland, Pennsylvania and have a peek. Now, back to the show. I'm sure. Well, Brandy, one thing I, you said about feeling guilty for two weeks. So, I mean, I know it may be a little bit diff- different dynamic in your guys' house, and that's kind of the next thing I want to get into. But, uh, I mean, in what other case do um, like women in the household get an opportunity to do something for an extended period? You think about tr- the, the traditional sense. Like, I take time away each year to go hunting and my wife stays at home with the kids. So, I mean, when you talk about the guilt, I have, I have the guilt too, but there's very few opportunities. And I think that's all I'm bringing this to light and saying this just because in the grand scheme of things, it, you know, there's, there's no I in team and you guys are a team and that's really important. So, you know, speaking about like the, the show and kind of the, that hunting dynamic, I'm kind of curious, you know, you uh you you obviously have hunt inter- interest in the outdoors interest in hunting if you're doing something like this and i'm kind of curious like your path into the outdoors yeah sure so how much time do we have <laughs> oh we got lots of time the mic is open brandy <laughs> it's um it's it's just a crazy crazy ride to be honest um i i really didn't have the privilege of, of growing up around uh, a family that hunted or was really in, involved in the outdoors in, in any kind of uh, aspect. But I, I was born in Florida. Um, I moved around. I moved to New York, actually, and pretty much grew up there. I, I lived about an hour from Buffalo out in the country, um, western New York. But just just reflecting back, um, I mean, I, I grew up in the country, so I was, I was living the outdoor lifestyle when I was young. I, I remember just taking my bike and and going to the the pond that was near us in the lakes and playing in the creeks just fishing and spending my summers doing that and of course like just I remember looking back and like trying to trap bunnies when I was little with like an old an old milk cart and like so I was really living the outdoor life I didn't really know it at the time but um I never you know I never hunted or did anything like that um, until I came to PA, but I I just remember at a young age just being so fascinated and so curious just about nature and, and animals especially. I just, you know, wanted to get close to them and study them and figure them out, but as I grew older, that really changed for me. When I, when I got into my teens, I, I was actually just really, I guess you could say, against hunting. I, I didn't understand it. I was very ignorant to it and I went through a phase in my life where I just I was kind of just really just disgusted by it and even so I can give you an example I just got my license and I was driving for the first time and I ran over a bunny and I literally pulled my car over and got out and just started sobbing and it was so distinct for me. I remember like it was yesterday. Like I just couldn't understand how, 
you know, someone could go out and take an animal's life. And I was, like I said, I was just so, so ignorant to it. But I, um, after finishing school, after finishing high school, I moved to PA and actually one of my first jobs, I was so young. I mean, that we're talking 16, 17 years ago, but I worked at a kennel and I was a kennel assistant for Country Pet Hideaway. They're out in Moton, PA. Um, shout out real quick to Mindy and Randy. But um, they not only did they have the kennel, but they had um, this this training facility for for Labradors. So they would take these Labradors for training and hunt trials. And they were these world class Labradors. And that honestly really kicked my interest of, of hunting and shooting just in overdrive. They I got so involved with the training aspect of these dogs and they needed at the time or so you could call it, um, they needed a bird boy and a bird boy for those aren't, that aren't familiar is someone that will go out on these hunt trials and field trials with these dogs. And they'll, once they get the collar, they'll shoot the ducks for these dogs and then the dogs will come and retrieve them. So me not having you know any background in ever purposely killing anything or shooting anything, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll try it. I'll do it. I was, I was curious and interested enough to, to do it. And I just remember being out there for the first time and I just absolutely was in awe of these Labradors and what they could do and their drive and their motivation. I mean, it was just so, so crazy to, to think about that right now. And that, that really had so, had so much admiration for these dogs and, I just wanted to, just wanted to continue. So, I mean, that led to me wanting to, of course, hone in my shooting skills and be the best uh, bird boy, as you could say, that I could be. So I went on um, with Randy. He took me to a bunch of local trap shoots and pheasant hunts. And I, you know, got a little bit better at shooting. And these pheasant hunts were just absolutely remarkable to me. That was so eye opening in itself, too. And one thing led to another. I got another job. I was working at Cabela's. And, uh, of course, I learned so much there. But I met so, so many amazing people there, too. Um, one in particular that sticks out the most is, is John, John Kunkel. He has his own deer farm. Um, he actually now sells doe and estrus and a couple other scents, I believe. Um, that's He calls it I'm a ready. But... Um, I would, I would actually go out with him and he would, he had a bunch of food plots out. So I learned so much from him and I would go out and help him. I mean, I was practically part of the family. He lived about an hour away from me, but I swear I was up there every single weekend. Just, I was a sponge. I learned about just planting and land management and habitat. And I, of course, was hunting his property as well. Um, and it just, I met, of course, I met Dustin there at Cabela's. That was, uh, how we met as well. So that was over a decade ago now. Um, but that just, it really opened my eyes to, um, I was before meeting Dustin. I mean, I was, I was hunting obviously and, and archery hunting too, but one, <laughs> just thinking back of it, one of our, our first, when we first hung out, it wasn't really a date at that time, but the first time we hung out, we went to a 3D shoot and I never had been to a 3D shoot before. And I don't think I had any arrows that matched or, or anything. And I'm sure he can attest to this, but, um, it was just, 
pretty bananas. But since then, I mean, we've it, hunting has just been just been my absolute lifestyle. And we we started getting involved in together in a lot of organizations, especially um, Lenhartsville Fish and Game in particular. They had um, a 3D program, a 3D archery league at the time, and they had um, a lot of people that were involved that really just couldn't you know, physically do it anymore because it is very labor intensive to set up an entire 3D shoot. But we kind of took that over and we started setting up all the shoots and growing the league. And I mean, we just speaking, uh, this is kind of getting off, off, um, topic here, but Lenhartsville Fish and Game is a local club to us and it's near and dear to our heart. We, we of course have our 3D archery shoots, we have our trout rodeo there, um, so on and so forth, but um, Dustin is now the president and I am uh, the secretary there, but we dedicate a lot of our time, of course, to the club and just in general, I mean, hunting, like I said, is our absolute lifestyle, so we dedicate 365 days to it. I mean, whether that's running cameras, you know, doing the food plots, minerals, you know, checking stands. I don't think a day goes by that I don't look at the cameras just to see what's on there. I mean, hunting has absolutely consumed me in every way, shape, and form since the day that I picked up a, a gun and you know, harvested my first animal. Well, and, and I wanted to ask you about that. So you kind of breezed, you, you went through a, a very long part of your, your life from um, not really interested in hunting to it consuming your life. And I think we, we, uh, we brushed through one of the most important and most influential pieces. And that was what I was curious about is what was the first experience like? When What was that step that made you say, you know what? I don't know about this, but I kind of want to try to pick the gun up or pick the bow up. Like, tell me about that experience because that was pivotal. Yeah. So my first experience, of course, was was shooting um, and harvesting these ducks for for the dogs, and I think that really, like I said, just started very early for me because no, I didn't really necessarily have that innate feeling like I needed to harvest an animal, but I was just so consumed by being curious and so wrapped up in nature and wanting to be close to these animals and figure out how they work. And that I really has always just stayed with me. So that curiosity has always been there. And when that opportunity presented itself to, hey, you know, would you want to shoot? Would you want to start going out for pheasants, would you want to start doing that? I, you know, I tried it and I was open to it then because I was a little bit older, of course, and a little bit more mature, but I, I just said, yeah. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, shooting sports, shooting archery. Um, it's just one of my loves and I, I can't really explain you know, why right. <laughs> I just, um, I guess too, like taking my first animal or, or taking any animal, there's so many emotions that are obviously are involved in that. Um, and it's not, and, and that's a small portion of it. Obviously the harvest is maybe a, a percent of what actually goes into it and the highs and the lows, um, and all the emotions that are involved and in all the hard work. And I really think that that's where the passion comes from it's just it's in the ride it's it's in all those details it's in all those highs and lows it's in all the emotions and when it all comes full circle and you can harvest an animal it's just an, an absolute incredible thing and 
it's hard to explain to to someone that is a non-hunter that hasn't you know gone out there and done it before but i i really just encourage folks that have reached out to me that are a little bit curious because i do have people that reach out a lot especially women um I just really encourage them to just to just try it. Like I could explain it to you till I'm blue in the face, but it's something that you need to go out and experience yourself. If you're even remotely interested, just go out, be in nature, go see the animals in their natural environment, go study them. I mean, you don't even have to 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 shoot or harvest an animal. Just go out and be in nature and learn about these animals. I mean, there are some of the most magnificent animals, I can't even tell you, they are so resilient. I mean, they are remarkable animals and it blows me away. And that's, I think too, when it comes full circle, when you can actually harvest an animal, like you're just so grateful. And I'm probably babbling because I just get so excited, but like, it's just such a remarkable thing. I have, there's so much respect that I have. And I really feel like any, ethical hunter can can really relate because we do we care about these animals and to a non-hunter they think the opposite but it's really not i mean we as me and dustin we put so much time in making sure that these animals do survive so they can grow so we can manage them so we can harvest them when they're mature i mean we spend our entire lives doing that providing quality food for them providing quality habitat i mean we do more and hunters in general do more for deer and for animals that any non-hunter could ever possibly do. That I probably wide... went down the rabbit hole on that one, but well, I, um, it's something I'm so passionate about. Like I, yeah. <laughs> well, you did. And it's a rabbit hole conversation. Anybody can go now. So I was asking, I was thinking about that the other, like I, I do this every year, end of the season. I come to a point of reflection. How did my season go? Was it everything I wanted it to be? Blah 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 blah. And it it leads me down that mentality of of having that conversation. Why? And I and you brought up trying to explain it to non hunters, and trying to explain it to anybody. When you start asking why, like a- anything in life, you start asking why, and you give a response to that, and then say why again, like say why three times, like you really really start to scratch your. I personally start to scratch my head when I when I get down that rabbit hole and, and get deeper into it because there, there's a part of it where you know I understand I love habitat I love wildlife I love the biology aspect of it I love the process you talked about I I, I get infatuated with the year-round stuff that you're talking about and I also I I really struggle with that balance of how much do you weigh on the actual act of the kill because the emphasis in culture is so heavy on that part and it's so easy for me personally to put a lot of weight into that even though my, my wife makes fun of me for this too because somebody said well you're you shot a buck this year. Are you satisfied? And my wife answers for me and says, "No, he's never happy." And I said, "I don't. I don't like killing. I like hunting. It's it's hard yeah. to describe. But that 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 part right there, like the trophy side of things, like that's that's a really really hard one for me to crack because I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But it's a fine line between good, the bad, and the ugly. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And 
like you said, I mean, hunting, 1% of that is, is harvesting the animal of, you know, your, your choosing. And there, of course, obviously is the debate, you know, and it's really, it's really hard and it is such a fine line because I'm very, I try to be very positive and very uniting. I want, I want all hunters to just get out, do what they do and, and just have fun and, and not, you know, be negative and not bring anyone else down. I feel like there's so much of that in the hunting industry and the hunting aspect of things. And it's very sad. So to each their own, if, if you, if you're a trophy hunter, you know, hats off to you. If you, if you only have time to get out a little bit and, you know, you don't shoot the greatest buck, you know, at least you're, at least you're out there. I mean, experiencing the outdoors is is really just the most incredible thing you could possibly do so it's one of those things i mean like dustin and myself of course we i've hunted for 15 plus years and i can tell you i went about six years and didn't even kill a buck i caught i caught yeah i shot a couple of of doe but it wasn't until i think it was like 2016 maybe that i got my first buck on one of my friends property but and that wasn't even, I mean, that was a little seven pointer. And I, really, it's just through my experience and my time hunting that I've really made the conscious decision to just, to just hunt more mature animals. And that's pretty much where, where me and Dustin are at at this point in our lives. I mean, I, 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 my season this year wasn't the greatest, but I was happy that I could kill some mature does. I harvested some mature does and, you know, it's not, I don't want to jinx myself here because technically we're in the extended season and I have till Saturday still. So there's still an opportunity for me to possibly take some of the bucks that have been on my list, but we'll see. I don't want to jinx myself here, but like I said, I mean, to each their own, like you can't expect to go out when you have a couple years experience and, and shoot, you know, the greatest buck of your life. I mean, some people do get lucky, but there's a lot that's involved and as you progress and as you learn, things are going to change, um, as they should with, with really with anything. You should always be progressing. You should always be changing. That's just the, you know, that's just life. But you, it, it there's so much too as I, I guess you could say a novice hunter that, you know, someone with 10 years experience, 15 years experience, it just, it just comes with time. I mean, I even struggle sometimes still to, if there's a lone doe out there and she's a little far away, like sometimes I even struggle to be like, ah, is she mature? Is she not mature? Like, you know, there's still things I come across in the woods when I'm hunting that I'm like, ah, but I, I've, I've just been blessed with, being able to do this year after year and having a lot of experience that, you know, now I can really just be in it for the reasons and the values and the ethics that I want to. And I'm, I'm happy that, you know, Dustin, of course, shares the same values as I do in that we're pretty much on the same page, but. So you talked a yeah. lot. Go ahead, Dustin. Can I, can I just chime in? Um, Cause I was chomping at the bit to say this. You know, I've, you know, fortunately been able to hunt with Brandy for a long time now. And going back on um, those those hunts and her first buck harvest um, to her last one, I was fortunate enough to be there for both of them. And that first buck that she harvested, uh, albeit, you know, a, a decent seven pointer, Nothing that, you know, you're, you're going to necessarily, you know, jump and, and want to put on the front cover of a magazine. 
I can say being a third person there, the joy and excitement that I saw her experience during, uh, well, after that harvest, um, versus her most recent buck harvest, which, um, was just last year it was a great 10 point. Um, that first one, it was a smaller deer, but I'll tell you what, I, I think if you were to measure the trophy in terms of the joy it brought you, Brand, I don't think you can touch that one. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> hunting is, is is difficult no matter where you look at it. And I, of course, people have different experiences. But for me, especially getting into it, I mean, I, I didn't have a lot, like I said, I didn't have a lot of resources. I didn't have a family that, you know, I knew all this stuff from. So I really just, I gravitated towards the people in my life that were around that would help me, that would just educate me. And of course I learned through my experiences, but, but you're right. I mean, it, it took me so long just to harvest my first buck. There was so many tears that went into that so much effort and it can be like that with, with anything. I mean, for people that don't have a lot of time to get out or for people that, for hunters that, you know, don't have all the resources to put in to create some habitat to, you know, anything, it, everything means something different to, to every hunter. And I just really, I really want to put emphasis on that because I know there's a lot of hate and negativity and we just all need to come together as hunters and and just be there for one another and really just celebrate. I mean, if that if something makes that hunter happy, then you know, great, that's awesome. And we just really need to 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 just stick together. I think there's there's a lot against us, so sticking together is definitely where it's at. Yeah, sticking together is important. It doesn't mean it's easy, and I completely agree with you. We have to find a way to come together because there's enemies that want to bring us down in, in so many avenues. But, yeah, it, you know, you were talking I'm... about the, the, the process and where you got to where you are now. So I'm really curious now when you think about the way life has gone, where you're at in life between mom and work and husband and everything else, I really want to know your mindset when you think about what do you want to accomplish as a hunter in the, in the future? <clears throat> yeah. So my, my hunting career has definitely taken on a lot of shapes and sizes, if you will. So I, it really has changed for me. And I would say the past five, six, even seven years, um, hunting with, with family. Cause I was pretty much a solo hunter for a while. And of course, when I met Dustin, we, we hunted together a few times, but you know, I really, it's few and far between that we are actually sitting in the same tree together. Um, but raising, you know, my family has just, and hunting with, with Waylon and being able to share that with my family has, has just, just leaps and bounds I can't really just I can't really describe it but it's really just something that is just very near and dear to my heart um but in general I mean I'm always I'm always trying to learn and I'm always trying to improve and I think the main focus with Dustin and I really is just right now is in the land management aspect and and habitat and really trying to 
just provide a quality environment so we can produce quality deer. Um, I, I really have learned so much in really just the past couple of years and in this past season. And, you know, you can all, you, you can always keep learning when you make mistakes in the woods. Of course you want to learn from them. And it, and like I said, I, I made a couple mistakes in this last, in this last season, but I'm very excited for the next season coming up because I'm just more improved now. And, you know, that's kind of how I, I like to build every season and just keep getting better at what I do and keep honing in my skills. You can never, you know, not keep learning, I, I guess I'll say, but it's just, we're, we're really in a really exciting time because we do have a lot of resources and opportunity and Dustin and I have really put some plans together for the next season that's really going to amplify things for us. So I'm really just so excited for that. And actually another thing I'm excited for is, is saddle hunting for the first time. So I actually um, got Dustin his saddle a couple years ago and he loves it and he actually got me one for Christmas. So I was out just, you know, a couple months ago kind of trying it out and seeing what it's all about. But that really provides a really cool dynamic because you can go and just kind of set up quick and go in places maybe that you wouldn't necessarily be able to. So, and just kind of the, just the thing in general, I mean, it's just cool to be hanging from a tree and you can move around and, you know, get sneaky with it. And it's just really cool. It adds this, this whole nother realm that, um, you know, just sitting in a tree stand, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about this thing for sure. I didn't even think about this. Dustin, is buying Christmas gifts and birthday gifts a whole lot easier for your <laughs> wife because she hunts? Oh, it's it's absolutely. Um, I just think about all the things I really like and uh, the things that have made a difference for me, and I get her one. Um, yeah, it's it's been a, a game changer. <laughs> I love it. So, Brandy, one question I, I'm not sure – Forgive me and how I'm wording this because I'm, I'm trying to word it in a way that, I, that will make sense to everybody when I ask it. But, like, I know for myself personally, and I know, like, with, with hunting being very male-dominating, like, there's definitely, with, with guys, there's an ego check and everything. Everybody's got their ego evolved and, you know, involved in what they do and why they do to some degree. And it might be very minute. It might be mm-hmm. on a, a giant, giant scale. And I wrestle with that all the time, not allowing, you know, me to like have that p- part of it. Because as we've talked about, it's, it's, you know, hunting is a camaraderie thing. There's, there's so many great things from a community aspect, and it shouldn't be all about me, me, me. But I still fight that, and I think that's just my mindset. I, I'm curious, like, do you ever have that cross your mind? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good point, and that's kind of why, I, you know, I, I think, too, and I'm just really grateful for this opportunity to be able to speak for for the women. Um, but... It, it, I obviously do have that a little bit, maybe not so much, um, but as you know, as a as a guy, but I I face my own my own difficulties in being a woman, um, uh, especially a hunter. You know, you you get treated a little differently, to be honest, um, and and I just it, it is kind of lonely, to be honest, too. I. I don't really have anyone that I can share 
the, this love and passion that I have for, for hunting and just the outdoors in general with, you know, some of my girlfriends or, or anything like that, because none of them hunt, none of them are involved in, in, in any of that. But I do, I ha I have, um, actually on social media, I've had a lot of women reach out and, and I do encourage that so much. I, I, any, if you, if you're a woman, even if you're not a woman, if you're a guy and you just have some questions or want resources, like, please feel free to reach out to me. I, I wholeheartedly believe in that and helping anyone that I possibly can. And this is a little off topic, but there are so many women that have reached out to me in the past couple of years, just regarding shooting sports and getting involved and, and learning how to shoot a pistol or being more comfortable. I think women in general tend to, to want to be taught by women. And there's a huge, there's a huge market for that. And there's limited resources. There's not a lot of women out um, in that, you know, are, are certified or that have the education or experience to be able to offer the help. So I'm, I'm an open book. If anyone wants to reach out, if you're a woman out there that wants some resources or want some help, please reach out to me. Like I would love to speak with you um, because I, I know how that feels and I understand how, how it feels to, to not know where to start or, you know, not really, you're, maybe you're not sure of how, how to get into the sport or, you know, what, even with equipment, like I will, I will definitely help you. But yeah, it is there. It is very, very different. I would say um, from males to, to females in the hunting in the hunting world and the hunting aspect and just trying to and, and this may be going down a different road but I really I really saw that um, more so on, on social media I used to be pretty active on social media I would say like five six seven years ago and and I kind of stopped um, I think a lot of I just kind of got wrapped up in it and um, I did have a lot of people reach out for, for that very reason for help. And that was one of the greatest takeaways from that. Um, but I, it just, it can be a very negative place as well. I think I have a very love hate relationship with social media, um, in general. And it's kind of hard to even have like a business or an organization and not have social media. I mean, it's obviously everywhere. It's in right. everyone's face. It's in everyone's faces today. Um, but, I remember at one point in time, it, it really was, it just consumed me. And I had all these opportunities. I was pro staff for a bunch of organizations. And I'm so grateful for those opportunities. I mean, that led to me hunting in, you know, gators and hogs and going on turkey hunts and, of course, getting free gear. And that's, that's great in itself. But it really distracted from the, the entire experience for me and I've really kind of stepped back from social media just to really focus on the things that, that really matter to me, which of course is, is hunting in my family um, and the true essence of hunting and the outdoor lifestyle. Um, but I'm not sure how social media really portrays women hunters. There's, there's always the two sides. I mean, you, you really can tell who's real and I'm sure you know, you can weed out who's not very easily. And I'm, sh and it's the same thing with, with hunter guy hunters as well. But um, yeah, I kind of went off, off track there, but I, I just, there are a lot of differences. Um, but I've always kind of been the woman that's just been just independent. And if I, you know, I'm curious in something or I want to do something, I just go and do it. I don't, that's just kind of how I am. But 
if you're if you're a new hunter out there, if you're a woman, you, you want to get involved in shooting or or hunting or anything, like I'm, please reach out to me. <laughs> That's one of the key takeaways. Like I I will help you because <laughs> Ab- I know how it is. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Brandy, one of the things I was wondering, and I wanted your perspective on. There's a lot of women that want to get started. They want to get in, or maybe there's a lot of dads and husbands that have um, wives and daughters that are right at that edge, and they want to get into it. And I want to know from your perspective, like, how should people have their mindset towards bringing their daughter, bringing their wife into this um, in a way that's going to be positive, is there something that you would think about that maybe, you know, a, a big blockhead like myself wouldn't think about? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, and I'm not exactly sure I have, I have the, the answer, but I just know from experience, especially on the youth side, um, and of course, take this with a grain of salt because I did not grow up in, in the, the hunting world, I guess you could say, or really had family that was involved in that. But nonetheless, um, I really, I really urge those that have children, um, to, to just get them out. It doesn't necessarily have to be hunting, but just get them outdoors, get them fishing, get them involved in nature, teach them about animals because they will just fall in love with it. And it becomes a lifestyle then. And I can tell you for the ups and downs that I went through in my life, not, not being around it, I didn't understand it. And I think that's half of it is when it becomes a lifestyle, you get to understand why, why we as hunters do what we do and all the benefits that come from hunting. And of course, you know, the, the amazing organic meat and everything that that's involved. But I just, I really urge those to just get them involved, take them out. I mean, you it could be with anything and just get them started and get them involved in that lifestyle. And really, I think that's going to have some major benefits. But as far as, as women, if you have, you know, a girlfriend or a wife, I really feel, I really feel first and foremost that there has to be that that type of curiosity there. If a, if a woman isn't into it, they're not going to be into it and they're going to feel pressure. And then I think that leads to more so just, just kind of trying to do it to please you then. And it, it's really not for the right reasons. I, I really feel like there has to be some sort of curiosity there. There has to be some sort of internal motivation to learn more about, you know, hunting and of course all the benefits, but if that's not there, then I feel like you might as well hang it up. So, and, and, and how to get there, I'm not exactly sure. So I'm not sure I'm answering your question fully, but I, I really feel too, if, if you're a hunter and you're a guy and you represent hunting in an amazing light with, you know, doing things ethically and, and your values and your morals and everything that's involved in doing it right, I mean, who wouldn't want, who wouldn't be interested in that? Because it's amazing. I mean, just even taking your girl out, if you want to just sit in the woods and so she can observe, you know, animals, it doesn't necessarily like have to be like, Hey honey, we're, we're going out, go get the gun, you know, type of thing. Like if you want to introduce them slowly to it, I, I would, 
I would definitely start there, maybe get them into shooting. Um, and that's something I know wholeheartedly, of course. Um, I, uh, I've been doing that for a very long time, but I would just take some baby steps. So I got a little bit of an interesting experience that I got to share with that because I went about stuff completely wrong and I, I, I got to share this with everybody. So, um, my wife, when we were dating, uh, she showed interest in going hunting with me. She was asking questions. I think she'd been on some hunts before in the past, but you know, she wanted to kind of take it up. She was interested in archery. So, you know, she shot some, some bows. I think I took her bow fishing and I ended up, I bought her a compound and she, she really did take interest in that. And, uh, the, the thing that I messed up on, in my opinion was, um, I, I, I mean, I always have been, probably always will be. I had this extreme mindset of how to approach whitetail hunting with a bow. Like, it was like, it was this way, and that's the only way, because that's the only way we're going to be successful. And I pushed that on her a lot more than she probably cared for. And she put up with it for the first few times. She had some great bow hunting experiences. Some of them ended a little bit, in an unfortunate way for her. And I think that put a little bit of a sour taste in her mouth. And then I think it got to a point where, um, the interest just wasn't there the way it was for me. And, and I think I I didn't really take the temperature well to the situation. And I'm bringing this up to say that there's a, I've seen it mostly with, with dads bringing kids in and it's the same thing. Like, go at their pace when they're introduced into something because i mean you, you don't uh, you don't learn most people don't learn swimming by jumping in and trying to keep your head above water you want to yes, you know ease yes. your way into it yeah exactly yeah. i'm i'm so glad you brought that up i didn't mean to cut you off um dustin but i um i just wanted to further that i mean you're so right and i'm glad you said that because if there's pressure there at all I feel like it would turn anyone off and you have to, everyone has to be mindful when you're taking out an unexperienced hunter, they are going to make mistakes. They are, they're not, you know, seasoned and experienced like you. I mean, everyone had to start from somewhere. So I am so glad you said that because yes, they're, they're going to make mistakes. It's going to be, you know, terrible. And it's going to, of course, you're going to have those highs and lows, which come with every season, but as long as you're there and supportive and not in a, a pressuring situation and letting them experience it for themselves and have their own experiences, I really feel like that could go a long way for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Like, you are going to make mistakes. How did we learn what we've learned by making mm-hmm. mistakes? And it's okay. Dad yelling and, at and, us. <laughs> right. <laughs> That yeah, there that was part of it. Let's be real, but you know, all things considered, when when you're out there on your own for the first time and you goof up, you're like, okay, I'm not gonna do it that way again because obviously I saw what happened, um, and that pressure is is quick to turn folks off. Um, but one other thing I'll throw out there, you know, when it comes to getting kids involved, and and we do this a lot with um, the fishing game. You know, we have a youth trout rodeo. We've done a youth pheasant and chucker hunt. Um, we have a novice trap shoot. Uh, we have a, a pheasant walk, which is like a simulated tr- um, hunt via using clays. Um, if you're able to, and if you have a child who's interested, and we've been very fortunate in having a lot of folks who have children that have been interested and have reached out to us. 
look for organizations where maybe there's other kids out there because that's pretty powerful. Um, just the other day I saw in one of the hunting groups and, um, out there on social media, they were soliciting, um, clips, uh, of, of young children. I think specifically little girls that were interested in hunting because there was a family who had a, a little girl and she was in school getting bullied for being interested in the outdoors. The other little girls were, wouldn't play with her and said that she was weird because she liked that stuff and she came home crying about it. So essentially their mission was to show her that there's other little girls out there that are like you. So if, if you can get to be part of an organization where the kids can not only see that this stuff is a lot of fun, but also see that there's a lot of other kids who think it's really fun too. Um, that's important because they're also going to run into plenty of kids at school that don't know anything about it. Um, maybe they've never been introduced and, and kids can be cruel. So to have that support and, and a peer group that's interested in the same stuff is really powerful. Um, and I think, you know, that's a big part of making sure that not only, you know, that, that they, um, take a liking to it, but that it keeps their interest. Yeah. Um, because if, if you have some friends that like the same things you do, it's a little bit easier to stick with those hobbies. Yeah. I just want to further that too. If you are, if you're interested, find, find local organizations that, that offer, you know, what your interests are and help them out and volunteer. I mean, we dedicate so much of our time to our local fish and game, but there's only so many of us and we struggle at times that we, we kind of feel our small little group, like we're the only ones doing all of the work and, and really being involved when we, we dang well know that there's tons of other people out there that are interested in the same thing we are. But, you know, it's just, please dedicate some time because these organizations are struggling when when Dustin and and I took over the archery league for the Lenhartsville fishing game it was struggling and we brought numbers back for quite a while but we're sitting here you know at the same time and it, we're we're losing numbers again and we don't have a lot of help so these organizations they really do need help and we just if you can dedicate some time and, and help that it's so much appreciated get involved that's that's my biggest my biggest push you know dustin and i you talked you and i talked about this in the past whether it was on the podcast that we did that's coming out next week or if it was just in passing but you know i'm not against sunday hunting at all um i think sunday hunting has a lot of benefits but here's one thing that i'll say about sunday hunting and it's the same concept with society when you introduce sunday hunting into the mix you speed up the pace of life because there's a lack of a day of rest and look at the way society is right now we've got sporting events we've got um running around to and from here and there every you know seven days out of the week and you know one of the things that is pretty precious to everybody and we have a hard time finding with everything else in our lives because we we dedicate so much stuff is time and brandy you hit it on the on the on the head there like when you when you talk about balancing priorities in your life and we value something as important as hunting in the outdoors and we see the benefit it has for kids and families and everything else there there's so much value in associating time throughout your day so i just had to bring that up i mean i mean i don't know if you guys have any thoughts to that 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we, of course, are very busy people, but we, and there are times where, you know, sometimes we, we don't want to go set up an entire 3D archery shoot on a, on a Saturday, you know, on a Friday or Saturday, because it's a, can be a whole long day process during the summer that, you know, we have to take away, but we know the, the greater benefit and it's getting people out there doing what they love and shooting and providing that opportunity that really drives us and motivates us to continue our work with with the the local club and of course the trout rodeo is just amazing when you can see you know all these little teeny boppers running around with the fish they just caught like it's seriously amazing to be able to give back and it's just something so small like yeah we cherish our time of course but we definitely spend it wisely and we choose to to give back and dedicate our time because it's something that we love and we want to pass it on we absolutely want to pass it on yeah and and to that end i mean so we've got some things that are important in our life and you know everybody has their own hierarchy and and where their values lie but you know we love being outdoors and we love spending time together and yeah we might not necessarily love getting together and spending um you know seven eight hours putting together an archery course but i can say i truly appreciate the opportunity to to go out brandon and shoot one with you you know we we've i mean heck that was some of the the first um you know times we've spent together what was doing that and you're right you didn't have a matching arrow in your quiver and um you know uh, look how far we've come but you know it, it's it's enjoyable so if you can kind of take your passion and blend it you know with um family life there's a lot of value to that so maybe it's not necessarily volunteering your time to help set up or, you know, uh, run events, but just going with your family is important because I can say, you know, I have no problem setting up an archery shoot, but when I don't have, when we don't have a turnout, it makes it very hard to be motivated to continue to do it. And there's an article out there that floats around online for folks who might still be listening. Um, it's called, Why Did Your Local Archery Club Die? And essentially, it does talk about a lack of volunteers, but it also takes it talks a lot about just taking it for granted and, you know, maybe not necessarily showing up for every shoot or, you know, uh, volunteering your time. And the thing is, you know, you can take these opportunities for granted and you know, maybe some Sundays you go out and you shoot a 3D shoot. And it's great. And it's a lot of fun. But the thing is, if these clubs that continue not see numbers and there's not revenue coming in and, and folks aren't turning out it's harder and harder to stay motivated to, to run events like that. And when suddenly they're not around anymore, then everybody wants to rally and try to put something back together. But sometimes it's too late. So appreciate the time outdoors, spend it with your family. You know, you're getting double the benefit and support the local organizations in more ways than one. You don't have to volunteer, but show up, um, you know, uh, spend a little bit of money there. It helps keep him run keep them running and um you know all of those little organizations can use can use that absolutely so brandy you know we've been rolling here for a while and i want to be mindful of your time but i I really want to give you the opportunity if there's anything else that you had on your mind you wanted to share with everybody that's listening here before we closed out i I would really love to give you the floor here yeah so um I, I did kind of want to touch on um, on something, and I'd have to give you a little bit of backstory here, but um, it's just furthering following your passions and your interests. 
and and making that your lifestyle and for me I can I can say now that that really is is my career and I'm so fortunate and so grateful um, because there was one time in my life where I really couldn't say that I mean there was and I can say is probably about seven eight years ago I just I was very outspoken about whether that was you know my political views or you know, my rights as an American citizen, but I was just, there was a time where I was just very passionate about working with organizations that I shared the same views and beliefs with. And there was a time where I was very actively involved in, in a couple organizations, um, like PragerU, Convention of States, Turning Point USA was one of them. And I actually got invited, um, I believe this was in 2018, I got invited to a Young Women's Leadership Summit in Texas and that was hosted by Turning Point USA. And I distinctively remember sitting at that banquet dinner that one night and I was surrounded by all these women and they were just talking about their careers and you know what they were passionate about and the organizations that they were working with and how amazing it would be one day, you know, to work at an organization or a company that they just were so passionate about. And of course, like I, I just sat there quiet because at that point in my life, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do career-wise. I was still putting myself through college, and I had a really good job. I was a regional manager at the time for a behavior health services organization. Um, but, I mean, I was waking up every day, and I, I hated my, my job, and I just hated the way that, my you know, the way my career was going. And I just sat there. I can distinctly remember just sitting there that one night and being like, you know what? I'm going to change this around and I am I'm going to work for an organization that I care about and and specifically I I I really just started doing some research and I started volunteering my time um at at organizations I really cared about and one of those stemmed from the club uh, the Lenhart Soul Fishing Game we actually got some correspondence that came in from a local banquet held by the friends of the NRA and I went there I volunteered my time I started volunteering and learning about the organization and all of the various programs that the NRA offers and the NRA foundation um, that actually do pertain to shooting sports and hunting um, I mean they have YHEC which is the youth hunter education competition and just all the various programs and fundraising force behind the NRA and all the grants and scholarships and funds that go to benefiting firearms and, and hunting and marksmanship and just educating the general public about firearms in general. But um, I met so many amazing people through just volunteering my time. And, and one thing led to another. I became a certified in, instructor for Fuse to be a victim program that they have. And there was an opening and um, through the NRA, and, and that's basically how things evolve for me. I mean, I can wake up every day. Uh, you know, my, my job doesn't suck, I can say that. Um, I've, I've been with the NRA now for about six years, and I get to incorporate my passion, and and I wake up, you know, motivated, and it's just, it's really an amazing thing. So bringing that back to dedicating your time and volunteering, I mean, for these organizations you really, truly care about, you never know what could happen, and you, you never know what doors you're going to be opening by doing that. Um, and and just my experience with that, I've I've been able to help so many women just 
that have reached out to me in the past with shooting um, and, and training these women. Uh, I'm going to be soon getting my um, complete certification to be a pistol instructor. I have another class I need to take, but um, I just really encourage encourage any women out there if they are curious or, or want to get involved, not only hunting, but shooting, please reach out to me because I know there's a deficit. I know there's a deficit in women and and trainers and women feel more comfortable with women in general. So I'm, I'm definitely putting myself out there and saying that, but I, I wholeheartedly, if this can help one person, it, it's definitely going to be beneficial for sure. This is fantastic. There was so much to unpack with this. I, I really feel like at some point we're going to have to dive into some of these topics a little bit more in depth. But if we do that anymore tonight, you might lose sleep and you've got a show coming up. There's a lot going on. So, yeah. I, Brandy, I really appreciate you coming on, um, sharing a lot about the show, sharing a lot about your experiences in, in the world of hunting. Uh, we all love it. Dustin, thank you. Um, Brandy, you said a little bit about people reaching out to you and social media. Is, is there anywhere that, like, somebody listening to this can say, hey, I, this is where I would contact Brandy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think uh, off the top of my head, I don't even know my own uh, social media because it's been a while. Like I said, I kind of, I've kind of stepped back. Um, I do post here and there, but I'm definitely not as active as I was. But it's just my name, so it's brandyadam.outdoors.pa, and I'm pretty sure that's my handle for both Facebook and, and Instagram. Um, but like I said, I'm so open to, to providing any help that I possibly can, even if it's just, you know, you want to talk or you have questions. Like, please feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm an open book, so I'm definitely available to help anyone, not only, you know, not just women, anyone in general. Absolutely, guys. I uh, I can't thank you enough for the show. This was a this was a great one, great conversation. Brandy, good luck at the sh- at uh, the show. Stay sane um, and, and <laughs> do the best you can to get some sleep while you're there. Well, I will definitely try. I'm not making any promises, but um, I definitely do thank you again so much. It's it's been an awesome conversation, and um, I look forward to to if we maybe we can get on again. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care.